Welcome to the podcast, Cutting for Sign. I'm Ron Cecil, men's life coach and writer, together with my co-host, best friend and artist, Daniel Penner-Klein. Throughout our lives and as friends over the past decade, we've asked, how do we find the clues and puzzle pieces that align us with our higher potential? Join us as we converse with experts, artists, adventurers, mental health professionals, and fellow deep thinkers as we cut for sign and attune our own potential, mental health, and creativity. like the sky. Welcome to Cutting for Sign, everybody. My name is Ron Cecil. Daniel Penner-Klein, right here, right here. Well, We're doing it again. I... <laughs> Someone let us back on. <laughs> the notion of here is now bending and becoming fluid because it's like i'm right here with you but i'm 500 miles away buddy and now to the listener we're right here with you wherever you are <laughs> in your car i wonder where i wonder where the most where we're where we are right now are we in like someone's bathtub with them? <laughs> are we are, are we do people have i have devices they can live in the shower while they shower we, oh we, i listen to podcasts in the shower because yeah, oh, my because my what? device is water resistant Dude. And I just like hit that thing, turn the volume up. Really? Yeah, With your yeah. iPhone? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. I would never listen to it. Well, I shouldn't say that. I haven't even considered it. But a podcast in the shower. Shower is like a very non... Shower is a processing time for me, a regenerative processing time. I it sit used to, down. It used to be for me, but I... I try to get in and out of a shower before the steam hits the window, before my steam hits the <laughs> Why is that? The mirror. Because I used to spend so much time. Like it would I've I mean, in my past, I, like thirty minute a thirty minute running water shower was not an unheard of in my life. I don't understand the problem with that. That sounds like good self care. <laughs> when when a person like myself had difficulty getting things started and getting enough done. You know, you're living in a reality where you 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 have this amazing thing called a crush it list, which I think we should do a whole episode on that. Okay. Which is you get your shit done. And and I was putting my shit off. I was like I was using the shower time to avoid getting started oh. on certain things or avoid <laughs> getting out the door. Really? Isn't it a funny, subtle shift? Yeah, it's like it a, is. It's like a prism that like you just turn that thing just a little bit and the facet is like, oh, that's a different experience now. To me, that sounds like something like I was using meditation 30 minutes a day to avoid doing what I need to oh, do. Bro, like it's dude, such a good thing to be dude, doing. For I mean, I grew up in a, in, a, in a religious culture where the religion <laughs> became the escape in the addiction for being a good human being. Is there, is there a anonymous group for too long of showers? <laughs> <laughs> I Bill's like, I took an hour and a half shower yesterday. I had three years. Uh, well, we have an interesting, a uh, very interesting guest on today, um, the venerable, the venerable Rabina Corton. 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 It looks like a, a French last name, and I. I've heard. You know, it's like it's like it's not that we don't know how to pronounce your name. It's just that yeah. you hear different pronunciations as you it bring the content in. Yeah. And it, yeah. I don't. You know, but you were going to actually say something just before we started the draw, and I was curious. It was around. Oh we were well, doing... she's she's a uh, she's been a Buddhist nun since the seventies, and and has been a, a widely celebrated teacher, 
of Buddhism and meditation. Uh, and she's worked with, I, I don't want to get into the stuff that you're going to get into a little bit, but she's, she is a seasoned teacher. Yeah. Really seasoned. Um, and I have been for the last, how, how long ago did we, did we interview um, Gay Hendricks? Was that last I year? I don't think we interview anybody. When was the last one? When, when was I'm gonna slap the shit out of you <laughs> through the internet? When, when, when did we talk to? When, when, when did we, we speak with Gary? Yeah. When did we Sorry. speak with him? That was this year, right? Twenty twenty two. Two months ago. Three. Months two ago. months ago. <laughs> I remember it was warm and sunny. Why? Now why? It's cold and why? wet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because since then, I've I've made a daily practice of what I would call meditation. I don't think that's what Rabina would call meditation. I think we're, I think we're doing two different yes, things. I like that. I'm calling yeah. it the same thing. Yeah. And I've been teaching guys that it, this is meditation, but I don't think she would. So yeah. I'm a, I feel a little bit like I'm walking through a minefield on this one, like on what I define you're, as meditation. You're probably walking through an update of your idea of what meditation is. And that sounds good. Yeah. Thank you. But uh, meditation can also pre be a bunch of different things. And an she has yeah. I so I, I'm curious about that. I'm also a little nervous about hearing something I don't want to hear. <laughs> like, you're, you're in, in a sense, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be harder and take more effort. <laughs> <laughs> That's the impression I get, buddy. Yeah. She fucking talks shit about about meditation what people think is meditation oh you're comfortable oh that's good you're comfortable and relaxed excellent yeah that's not yeah meditation. oh well, she's gonna shit all over my stuff then <laughs> all right let's do this thing let's chat with all right you. all right venerable rabina Corton, you have been a buddhist nun since the late 70s you were born in melbourne australia where you were educated by catholic nuns and studied classical singing in 1976 you met some tibetan lamas and received ordination as a monastic 18 months later in Kathmandu. You have worked since then with the Foundation for the Preservation of Mahayana, uh, Mahayana Tradition, the worldwide network of the Tibetan Buddhist teachers, Lama Yeshi and Lama Zopa Rinpoche. You have also served as editorial director of Wisdom Publications, editor of Mandala Magazine, and executive director of the Liberation Prison Project, which you founded in 1997 and which helps prisoners with Buddhist practices. Your life and work have been featured in the documentary film Key to Freedom and the award-winning film Chasing Buddha. Additionally, a recording of your singing, prayers and mantras entitled Devotion was produced in 2018. Rubina, you believe in action, in doing things that help one know one's mind deeply and well, that we need to unpack the mind to unravel its context, deconstructing layers of thoughts and feelings, emotions and assumptions and thereby beginning to reconstruct the cognitive processes at the basis of our emotions. The way to do this is through the, in your own words, brilliant, marvelous, sophisticated psychological techniques that we call meditation. And of meditation, you said, quote, it is not a relaxation technique, but a training. Why? So in our daily life, we can see what the hell is going on in this mind of ours. Some people can sit for 30 minutes very comfortably. They're just spacing out, feeling good. That a meditation, baby. All right, Robina, welcome to Cutting for Sign. Happy to be here with you, too. So happy, so happy. Thank you. Yeah, excellent. Very excited that you're here. I'm glad you made it. Yeah. One of the things that uh, um, caught my attention so much about your teachings is that it felt like exactly what 
Ron and I value most and what has begun to change our life fundamentally slowly, but in direct correlation with how much we do it, which is to do focused inner work. And I have start as I was absorbing your content, I had this really interesting thing happen where I was looking at other people's content just in the reels world and the shorts, you know, and, and I thought, and I saw, oh my gosh, that person's doing what Rubina's talking about framed completely differently with different language and a different culture. Mm-hmm. And it, maybe it is or isn't religious. Maybe it is mm-hmm. or isn't. And I just was like, it, 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 the separation between a lot of different teachings bloop, disappeared. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if that's something that you would be happy about that you would uh, that you yourself see but i was hoping you could speak to that a little bit no i think i totally agree with you you know mm-hmm. you can you can you can look at say the buddhist worldview which is really specific and you know tracking back to these amazing indians as the dalai lama said it was his genius indians more than three thousand years ago who actually began the investigation into the nature of self and you look at this whole entire buddhist view that came out of all there and it's astonishing when I mean, they studied it for 25 years in the tibetan monastic university system and it's like another universe it's a complete new universe but if you and then you can look at the, the, the Christians or you look at the Australian Aboriginals view of the universe. It's so abstract. I can't even understand it. Mm. Strip away the packaging and the cultural context and you get to the core of it, which is I think the, what you can call the universal truth of it. It comes down to the same thing, you know, we're human beings, we're individuals and the more neurotic we are, the more miserable and self-centered, the more we make a mess and the more we can be open, sort ourselves out and then become a bit, you know, a more the better version of ourselves. Then we can connect with others. That's the bottom line, I think. You know, you you read a good Christian, a good Muslim, a good communist. You're talking the same thing. I really feel that's true. That's the that's the one universal we all share. I think that's <laughs> down to its naked thing. I think that's really how it is. I agree with that. What was so funny last night was that there's this guy. Have you heard of David Goggins? I haven't. No. What's David? Okay, doing? he's just a really really intense uh, person uh-huh. who who was essentially 300 pounds and working as a, working a terrible job and really unhappy applicator and long story short, he, something clicked and he's like, I need to change my life. He decided to be a Navy SEAL. They told him no way. And they said, you got to lose a hundred pounds in 90 days. And he basically, from that moment on, he became a different person. Right. Well, now he's, he's, he became the Navy SEAL. He did this thing. He became an ultra marathoner and he just really, he sunk for through a lot of intense activity and pushing his body physically he became he seems to have tipped the scales on what you speak to and so but he speaks it like motherfucker get out there be hard stay hard you got to do your thing you can do it and he gets really intense like that but the way that he was talking i uh he said something the other day where i just said i saw oh my god you are doing exactly what i'm seeing robina talk about but in a totally different way and it just seemed like you really bridged that gap between for me at least yeah i think so and i think i think um yeah, but I think you can you can also pin things down to you can still be you can I think you've got to say though one thing I'd like to say and let's just look at yeah. this is that if it's really being and I'm not trying to be fundamentalist if it's really authentic this job we're doing it's it's got to be completely in sync with good ethics it's got right. to be in other words it's got to be beyond it's not trying to be you know fundamentalist but it's, if it's just only for the self then it's, even no matter how good it sounds it's just totally self-centered and therefore is not going to be useful so it's got to gotcha. be based on good ethics which is fundamental a good any good human being 
the way we're talking, if, if you, you can see in that good ethics, don't harm, don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, yeah. benefit others, then I think it's really, really, you can say it's universal. It's really universal. I see, because maybe then you're getting into that, like mindfulness is for thieves, the, the idea that you say, like you can do a lot. No, that's, in, no, that's, in, that, no, that's more of a technical point in Buddhism, actually. It's interesting. Mm. The um, mindfulness, we think of it as some kind of a bit of a holy thing, walking slowly and blah, blah, blah. But actually, it's in the Buddhist psychological model, there's a, there's a grouping of states of mind that are like, I call them the mechanics of the mind. So a murderer or a meditator need good concentration. And really mindfulness technically just simply refers to the capacity to remember what you're doing second by second. Well, a thief needs that. It's in that mm. sense. Oh, I see. I mean, I you've see. got virtuous states of mind like love and compassion. Right. You have neurotic ones like anger and low self-esteem. Yeah. And then you have these mechanics that enable you to function properly. And everybody needs those. You know, that's what that's what that's what that means. So what would your definition, uh, most full definition of mindfulness be? Well, the way the world uses it, it's a very specific one that is a combination of good concentration and trying to become a nicer human being. I mean, that's, I mean, I would say that's not, not bad to say that. That's okay. But it's used, the word's used very loosely, you know. Yeah. I think it's used, and that's fine. There are 27 varieties of mindfulness. That's okay. Oh my but gosh. what's interesting, it's based on this amazing technique that uh, these Indians, this is pre-Buddha, 3,000 years ago. And I think we, yeah. it's only really now, I think we in the modern world, and we're a little bit arrogant, I think. We probably sort of think that it was Mr. Freud 100 years ago who who, we, who started the investigation into the nature of self. And we're starting see now especially the thinkers and the neuroscientists and especially because of the presence of the Dalai Lama he's really pointing out this amazing knowledge that's been around for more three more than three thousand years so I, I think see. we're seeing this now and we're valuing it and these geniuses these incredible thinkers back then they're the ones who created this technique that mindfulness is based on which is this is what I said before when you quoted me this brilliant psychological skill that that we don't have the likes of which in our moderns modern modern psychological models or in in in, in neuro, neuroscience because it's it's this ability to access these subtler levels of your cognition. It's not some hippy trippy thing, but it's it's a subtle level of cognition beyond the sensory and beyond the usual conceptual level that we live, which we don't I'm, even posit as existing. That's a technique that's known as single pointed concentration. Okay, I'm a little a level of mind. That's little, what's called mindfulness. I'm a little surprised to hear you say that you're you don't see us having it in modern day psychological techniques. It seems like that's being developed, like cognitive behavioral therapy. And is that oh, no, yeah, that's no, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about no, you're absolutely right. What I'm talking about is this subtle level of mind that we that we don't posit. It's a subtle level oh. of cognition that these Indians discovered. And then the, this is the key one. Oh. This level of this level of subtlety is not what we can. If you were to see a person who's who's what they called um, who've accomplished this state of this very specific technique called calm abiding or shamatha in in Sanskrit. It, you, they would look like they were dead because it's a, they've accessed, they've completely subdued the grosser level of conceptuality that's 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 um, evident from the brain, and they've completely subdued the sensory. So that that level of subtlety doesn't exist in our culture, and it's only now that they're beginning to study it and look into it and see if it doesn't. Wow. That's wow! Wow! And then and then repackaged it with uh, different terminology and well, I mean, yeah, is well, that, happening? Well, that one is still that one, but I think mindfulness, this ability to focus and look at your mind and go in that that's basically started with this technique more than three thousand years ago, as the Dalai Lama wow. said, these Indians who began the investigation into the nature of so I mean, deeply going internally, you know, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Huh. Gosh, there's so many, so many amazing things I want to 
I know we could dive into around all this. Uh, Well, I I want to tell you a little bit about Daniel's background. Uh, We've been friends for 10 years. Some of one of the interesting stories Daniel shared with me early in our relationship was a a experience that he went through of, of um, watching his mother's um, his mother harmed and then disappear. And she's never been found again. Okay. Um, and we're and we're working on a project together around that. And and in the and in the and then in the ten years after that conversation, he and I getting close, talking about the things that had, that had happened to us, the things that we decided to do. And then I would say in the last two and a half years, saying to ourselves and to each other, we don't want to let those things stop us anymore. We don't want to mm-hmm. let those things continue to bog us down in the way that they have exactly. before. No, totally. This is how we talk these days, traumas, you know, we, we're yeah. living. Yeah. That's a very, a very good discussion. Let's talk about that. I find Yeah. <laughs> and, and he and I, um, talk about these times in our lives, in our days and our weeks where we yes. try to disconnect from the world. And, and, yes. and I don't even know if I want to use the word meditate, but for, if we could use you it scared the... you scared him, Robina. He doesn't want to use meditate anymore. <laughs> what I thought was meditation evidently is not, according to according to what I heard you talk about. Uh, but some of um, I, I got to go to the Trappist Monastery in Kentucky years ago, where um, um, his name for I, I, I forget his name. He no, was I understand. A... I know the one, and I can't remember his name either. It's yeah, years ago, <laughs> he wrote "No Man yeah. Is an Island," and, and yeah, that's uh, right, exactly. Yes, that's yeah. And when I went there, Thomas Merton. <clears throat> there you go, Thomas Merton. Thank you. Yeah, I love Thomas Merton. It was the first time in my life that I had not spoken a word. Oh, there you go. <laughs> right, I had, I went there. And <laughs> well, I wasn't allowed to speak, and it. for and for seventy two hours, I thought I was going crazy. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and I and I the only thing I could do to help was to walk and walk and walk, and I probably yes, walked, I you mm-hmm. know, twenty something miles around the property. Yeah. And I felt the best I'd ever felt in my life afterwards. Like my brain, it was like someone had opened up the pressure valve That's so interesting, isn't it? and let it all out. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and since Daniel and I've been friends, we've, we have separately been on this path of trying to do the, that same thing. And he has a practice of laying down and letting his mind wonder and, and go into a dream state. And, and I have a similar practice where I put my headphones on and I listen to this type of music that stimulates both halves of my mind, both halves of my brain. And I call it meditation. <laughs> and well, I think the re- thing that you're referencing with me is that I don't. I you, you don't I call yours meditation. And, well, I I don't do what you just said. In with uh, the thing that I think you're referencing is is my sputtering attempts to do what Rubina is a mass essentially probably a master of a very good at, which is which is that subtle inner work, and it's not letting my mind wander, you know, in a dream yeah. state. It's think, it's think, real work, you yeah, know. Yeah. I think to bring you know, to, I think I like this. I really like that you mentioned the the trauma thing. You didn't say the word trauma, but I think I find that a really good discussion point. You know, um, yeah. because if if we take the you know take the the one of the really fundamental kind of approaches to the Buddhist model of the mind, and this is really in a sense almost deceptively simple. We can divide all the contents, the thousands of thoughts and feelings and emotions, into precisely three categories. One of those are the neurotic mis 
unhappy, delusional, confusing, distressing states of mind. And I think we all know them as something cosmic called attachment, anxiety, depression, anger, fear, yeah. you name it. We know they're not pleasant. And then you've got the, the so-called positive ones, which are called love, compassion, courage, self-confidence. We know these words intimately, you know, but we sort of just sort of give them all equal status. But the Buddhist view is very specific in, in saying that the first lot, they're, they're the source of our pain. It's not moralistic. They're the source of our right there. That very having of anxiety and anger and fears and jealousy as the source of our pain that second. And then on the basis of those, we do wacky things with our body and speech to harm others, you know? So the very first thing right. in Buddhism is to first control the servants of your mind, which is why, you know, at least Whoa, don't say the negative words. Servants of your mind. Could well, you... that's your body and your speech. Oh, your oh. body are acting out what's in our mind. But our tragedy in our culture is we don't notice what's happening in our mind until the body feels it, yeah. or until the words are vomiting out your mouth. You know, so the, the, this is where the beginnings of some kind of clarity come, where you learn first to shut the mouth. Okay, if you don't know what to do when you shut your mouth, you go crazy. But yeah. in our, our trouble is in our culture, we either vomit everything out mm. or we suppress it, you know. But this is like a third option where because you can learn to refrain from vomiting out those words to harm your sister or your, or your next door neighbor or the stranger, you, you don't just do it mindlessly, that it enables you then with your concentration, your, your daily practice to start to notice like we said before, what the hell is going on in your head? And so it's a gradual process. And this is so now be more specific about coming back to trauma. The, there is these, there's a lovely phrase in Buddhist psychology called the three poisons. It sounds so cute. These three toxic emotions. And really what the first one, the main one, the underpinning of all the nonsense, they actually refer to it as ego grasping, this primordial, deeply held misconception about the very nature of our own self. It's quite subtle. And its function is fear and kind of a, sep a sense of separateness from others. So then its main voice in day-to-day -day life is called attachment, which is this emotional hunger that manifests in all sorts of ways, including for the sense object but also including craving just to feel good, craving for nice things to happen. And But the bottom line with this, this is called attachment. The bottom line with this attachment is it only wants the nice things. It can't stand problems. So then when a problem comes, which is when attachment doesn't get what it wants, that's when the other of these three poisons rises up, and that's called aversion. So basically we've got attachment and aversion. They're really primordial. So bottom line is we all our life, from the time we're born, we only want the lovely things. It's automatic. No one teaches us. So the millisecond your mother is, mean to you your your daddy or, or something terrible like daniel's experience happens all according to what we are equipped with even at that time as, and we can have wisdom even even as children we either completely live it we push it away because it's totally unbearable and then that's what becomes a trauma so one of the things in buddhism nothing goes astray everything gets stored in our memory everything no matter how tiny but if we can't handle it we try to sit on it so no wonder we're all full of trauma because we can't we don't know how to cope at that moment now some children have an ability to deal with suffering you know sometimes you you know some people are able to express it and understand it and then move through it but at some point we've got to allow this stuff to come up instead of the aversion we have to then look at it and see it label it for what it is and then the fear dissipates so it's the pushing it away that causes so much pain for most of us and we're not equipped you know i mean because terrible things happen in life terrible yeah. terrible things you just used a phrase that's um about that trauma express and move through it Yes. Um, what the what the hell do you mean by that? What does that mean? What I mean is, you know, when, <laughs> I mean when when this experience of, I mean, okay, Daniel, your experience, something terrible happened to your mum, and you were there present, right? How old were you? Four. And do you remember it all? No, they're my first memories of life, but they're fragmented. 
So, okay, so that's that's what I'm saying. So in other words, if you had suddenly were able to access your memory because the imprints of it are all there and you were able to see exactly, almost like as if you're watching it, watching yeah. separately and see exactly what happened. Because at the time, probably it was traumatic, meaning it was horrible, meaning in the most basic sense, your attachment didn't get what it wanted. It got a terrible experience. So aversion arises. So this aversion can either be volatile anger. You might have rushed in and beaten up this person or you, it arises incredible internalized aversion and you didn't know what to do with it, so you push it all away. That's why we don't remember many things because it's been too traumatic. So when we, if we get able to bring it up or even confronting ordinary things today, pushing it away and denying it or wanting to punch it, but we learn to see it, greet it and see it and, and see for what, it, for what it is, that dissipates it. Do you see what yeah, I'm saying? Because we live, I mean, all, all these delusions are rooted in fear, attachment, low self-esteem, anger, aggression, yeah. jealousy. They're all rooted in this neurotic sense of an eye that's full of fear and separate and miserable. And what, and but the, whereas the positive qualities are brave, are courageous. In other words, I'll just give an example. Mm-hmm. This woman, I know so many people from being in prisons, right? And it's they're really traumatizing places because you're treated like an infant. That can be not even, even if it's not even aggressive, but it's just a horrible place. The senses are insulted, assaulted every day. You're treated like an animal in some places. It's really restrictive emotionally and you become stunted, you know, if, if many, bare minimum. But some people, because they're innocent, it can be the most traumatic experience. So I remember oh, yeah. there's a friend of mine I've known in prison. She's now out. She's old. She's 80-something. Her name is Sunny, and she wrote a memoir. In the 70s, She she's not a Buddhist. In the 70s, she's this nice Jewish girl with a hippie husband and hippie kids hitching in Florida. She gets picked up. By, they get picked up by two guys. The guys get picked up by the police. The two guys kill the police and the hippies. So Sunny and her husband are on death row. Wow. She's in isolation. She's, you know, she's a totally innocent, nice girl, you know. The husband eventually gets executed. His, oh his brain God. bursts into flames. She loses her children. Her parents get killed in a car accident. One nightmare after another, which is not uncommon in people's worlds. So the thing is, she had this, extra- she's not a Buddhist. She has, I would call it this extraordinary emotional intelligence that enabled her to know, she said the words, I had the choice. She knew she could learn to choose not to go crazy, not to be angry, not to freak out. I mean, years in a single cell on her own with a Bible, this nightmare happening. Now, this is a common thing in prisons. People literally lose their mind. So now at the same time, I read about another guy, also innocent, but he who would what we be called normal, he went completely out of his brain. He would rage daily. I did not rape and kill that woman. I did not rape and kill that woman. So using this analysis, and I'm not trying to be cruel, using this Buddhist analysis of the mind and what we're capable of, he would be what we call a normal person for whom this terrible thing occurred, you go completely crazy. You go out of your brain. You're innocent. You didn't do this. So attachment goes berserk. It doesn't get what it wants. Anger rises in, you know, resentment, fears you have. And you and you say to him, well, honey, you know, you could change your mind. That would be the cruelest thing in the yeah. universe. What are you talking about? I'm allowed to feel this way. Look what happened to me. Whereas this woman, and she's not a Buddhist, she's not religious. She just had this extraordinary ability to know she could navigate this and not make it trauma so you meet her now she's old she's out of prison after 17 years she's working with another working helping people out of prison you'd never i mean i've met so many people out of prison who you can feel their traumas old and ancient she doesn't have it she's like a little old lady you'd never know because she didn't deny or resist or push it away she was able to navigate it able to turn it around she even said at some point i knew i finally i realized i couldn't change 
thing, but they couldn't take my mind from me. So I decided I'm not a prisoner. I'm a monk. I'm not in a cell. I'm in a cave. Now, she's not living in a fantasy world. She knows she's not. Yeah. She was able to re... And this is cognitive therapy, Daniel. This is exactly cognitive behavioral therapist. You, by changing your thoughts, by changing the way you interpret things, you change yourself. This, in the essence, is the Buddhist approach. He happens to be good at it. He didn't make it up, but he's good at it. And that's are the you, end of it. Are you familiar with the, uh, the man, uh, person, Viktor Frankl? I've heard his name, yeah. Yeah, he wrote a book, um, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And, yeah, and I've, heard, I've heard about it. But he's a similar kind of person. I've heard well, this. Well, he's quote, all the time. This quote, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. Yeah. Come to on. choose one's attitude yeah. in any given That's set it. of circumstances, you know? I mean, this is the essence of it, Daniel. And this really is the absolute essence of the Buddhist approach. And this is why I like to remind, remind us, he's not a creator. Buddhism doesn't assert a creator. Buddha didn't make this up. Yeah. He the intelligence to observe it. And everybody can observe it. It's a universal truth. It doesn't belong to Buddha. That's the point, you know? So it sounds like what you're talking about in my clunky terms that I'm developing through life is a way to get at the subconscious and let and allow it to stop running the show. Well, okay, this, you could say that, but in the Buddhist view, they've got these very specific technical techniques, very, very excellent, brilliant skills. This is what the single point of concentration is to enable you to completely harness the energy of the crazy, uncontrolled conceptual. It's not a loosey goosey one, it's a very specific one that enables yeah. you to get to a subtler level of absolute clarity absolute subtlety and clarity where now you can effectively be in complete control, which sounds weird in our culture, where you can be in complete control of all your thoughts and feelings and emotions. I mean, it sounds yeah. mentioned, but this is literally what it is. Well, that's a contradiction, um, perceived contradiction for me that I found very refreshing in your uh, teachings and your way of being is that I don't get a lot of what I think of as on attachment. Your work is very, it's almost aggressive. Like, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm curious if you could speak to how how that might be more clear to people that, yes, it is non-attachment, but it's also very um, active. Yeah, that's right. Now, that's exactly right. In other words, the opposite to not being attached isn't just spacing out. It's learning mm. to, yeah. I suppose the key is um, you could have, you can have this, you can be, you can have clarity and precision, but you can be, you can be a psychopath. Meaning the under, <laughs> what underpins your clarity yeah. is, is delusional and eye-based yes. and yeah. neurotic, in other words. Or you can have yeah. this clarity and be underpinned by compassion and wisdom. So this is why in Buddhist psychology, in our culture, it's sort of weird because it sounds like judgmental. There's a real distinction between the neurotic conceptual states of mind and the and the valid reasonable ones and this sounds it's not meant to be judgmental but it's a very powerful yeah. way of divine defining and when you learn more and more to be aware you're starting to literally unpack and unravel all the concepts which just come into one big soup and you can hear the voice of jealousy you can hear the voice of low self-esteem you can hear it speaking it's a conceptual story so all they're all jumbled together at the moment but when you get more clarity you can you know and you can hear the unhappy thought of low self-esteem or of arrogance and how dare she this and he that they're all the unhappy ones and they seem to run the show so then by hearing them and, un and unpacking them and then you argue with them with what with your virtuous thoughts the positive thoughts you you lift it's like it's cognitive therapy but at an ever more subtle level so the, the, the virtuous positive ones are connected to others they're reasonable they're self-confident they're the, all the good qualities and there's something yes. very distinct between the so-called negative and positive or neurotic and virtuous i mean that sounds religious but it's not meant to be there's this even, distinction you know even i see even just the this ability to discern what is coming from 
it to split it into yeah. positive and negative must be a huge tool that you use. It is a massive, it's, it's the basis of all the Buddhist fundamental concept of ethics. So in other mm. words, the way they talk about it, the, the voices of I are like being I-centered in a neurotic, unhappy way. Not fair. Poor me. He did it. I mean, it's not being mean now, but the man, the typical guy of this nightmare of being accused of rape and murder, who was innocent, and Sunny, she happened to be equipped, whatever reason she was equipped, with the ability to do this navigating of her own mind. He was not capable. And this is the majority of the world, I'd say with respect to us we things happen we're overwhelmed by the fears it's not fair how dare that happen to me i don't deserve it why is it happening it is and they're the voices of ego and it's not being mean and they're the voices of a victim and it's not being unkind to us when we're overwhelmed by life that's the victim mind when we start taking control in a good way in an optimistic way that's the that's the that's when we become our own self that's when we become the person we are that's when we become brave and confident and and easygoing and relaxed and forgiving and loving you know it's a huge process it's massive it appears to me that the that the the negative way of being the the yeah. falling into the resentment falling into the yeah. fear and anger yeah. Yeah. Uh, is quite easy Really, really it's easy to get. Very started. easy. We run to it like a magnet. Even when <laughs> nice people, it's so twenty-seven people can tell you you're a nice person and yeah. praise you, and you're hungry mm -hmm. to hear it, but you don't believe it. One person exactly. indicates slightly one bad thing about you, and we run like a magnet. So it indicates the irony of ego is we are a bit fixated on the unhappy side. For example, you've never met a person who thinks they're lovely. We always find fault. We don't like the shape of our <laughs> left ear or our right yeah. toe, or we always tend towards the negative, and that seems to dominate our head. But our problem is we then define ourselves in those terms, and that's the tragedy. Yeah. That's one of the key ones. The Buddhist view is these neurotic ones, are they say that they're adventitious, they're not at the core of our being, and we can fundamentally kind of rid the mind of them. It's a process, you know. But we, when we identify ourselves with our misery, that's what suffering is. And when we can begin oh, to yeah. start to identify ourselves with our positive qualities, I mean, Buddha's your, your best positive psychology you could find, you know. And there's all these factors <laughs> at a more advanced level where you do visualization techniques, identifying yourself as, as an enlightened being, you know, and you become, it's like a way of, they talk about it, bringing the future result into the present. You you lift yourself up and you start to identify with your positive qualities. It's very precise. It's not in hippy trippy, you know? So with all, everything you're saying is, to me, is very clear and it, uh -huh. I really appreciate being around someone who has the articulation and clarity around what they do and why they do it. But oh. then just to happen to have some be have someone like you say these things and it's the thing that I can tell improves my life the most is whenever in the modalities that I practice, I have touched on what you're talking about or committed to it oh. um, to any mm -hmm. degree, my life improves. That's it. One that's plus right. one. Like if yeah. I do it for five minutes, I'm five minutes happier. You know, like it just yeah, right. it just is helpful. But yeah. at the same time, where are you seeing what you're talking about in this zeitgeist of trauma is coming up for everyone? Everyone experiences it and we're all dealing with it. Sometimes too much, sometimes not enough and it not enough in misguided ways, neglecting. There's so much action around trauma right now, other than the Buddhism that you practice. Where are you seeing the most traction? What other modalities? 
Are you, you don't understand what do you mean by my geologies? What, what I know you... what you mean by my geologies, but this is my life. And this is how I talk. And if you label it Buddhism, that's fine because that's what it's coming from. But it's universal stuff. I don't know. Well, you've, you've mentioned cognitive behavior therapy. Oh, yeah, right. Are you seeing people do this type of work packaged a different oh, way? Oh, I think what you're saying. Yeah, no, I think I meet people like your talk, both of you guys talking exactly this way. There are so many people in one degree one degree or one level to another are working understanding this language that's all yeah. i can say and i don't know the <clears throat> of all those different gotcha. so many people in the world these days doing these marvelous things and it's just delightful to know that they're there you know yeah <clears throat> but the level of concentration and focus in the buddhism that you practice is just to the next level i think i mean i I haven't achieved the levels they talk about, but they're all there in the literature for 3,000 years. And then the Buddha went off on his own side two and a half thousand, two and a half thousand years ago. It's the central technique in Buddhism. And a lot of people, and this, this technique to accomplish this subtlety that they're talking about, this could take you several years up in the mountains. Oh, you oh yeah. You know, we're talking a really subtle level of clarity that is, but it, that is there available to us. I mean, many of my friends right now in mountains, metaphorically or actually, going through the stages of developing this technique can you speak a little bit to how the any trauma you might have experienced yes uh, has sure. come up and how you've I understand. dealt with it in many different i can choices. talk about that i'm happy to talk about that i mean i've got a very loving big family there are nine of us my mother and father are dead that's seven of us and my oldest sister died three months ago she fell down the stairs i got there mm. in time to see her thank goodness she's a year old mm. fell down the Sorry stairs and died. yeah so there are now six of us six siblings and we're very close and we had a traumatic, a typical family. You know, my father was not, didn't behave nicely to his daughters. He didn't do, he did inappropriate things to his daughters. But I love, I mean, I, for some, so this is where, as an interesting example, um, and we're very chaotic, lots of emotion. We all love each other. <laughs> I love my father, I love my mother. My, I adore them all. You know, I've been through this process. So the, at the time, it was really difficult. And there was nine human beings in this chaos, and we were poor. And my mother sent us to the best Catholic convent, and because she wanted the best for us, she was a classical musician. I studied music with her. My father was a journalist, a poet, or very creative, but he didn't behave properly. You know, I don't want to go into details, but it was very, it was traumatic. Now I can look. Each of us dealt with it in our own ways. Some have no memory of anything, but because I'm a more volatile, more aggressive type person, I never, I didn't, uh, I didn't suppress. I would engage with it. I would engage with my father. I'd be angry with my father. I have fights with my father, and and then even as a little girl, when certain he was a bit of an alcoholic, he'd run off, and we'd all kneel down and say the rosary. We're all Catholics, and the, the, the eight of us would kneel down and cry for Daddy and feel sorry for Daddy, you know. But I always had a feeling. That he suffered. I knew he could, even though he was doing wrong things to his children, I knew he suffered. I had this ability to see that he suffered. I always had compassion for him. It didn't mean it was what he did was right, but because of that ability to have compassion for him, I didn't suppress it. I didn't. I didn't become full of rage against him. You know, even when even before Buddhism, you had compassion. Well, well a little girl, I had compassion. Interesting. I was with wow. God. I go to mass every day. I love God. I was the naughtiest kid in the family, but I always had the fear of God and the meaning of life. All these things, yeah. and I had some always some kind of empathy. I could see that my father oh. suffered i could see he was harming himself yeah. even though he harmed his daughters he i knew always and that for me was a great saving grace so in that sense what i'm saying is that it wasn't such a trauma it, it was to some degree but i was able at some point even during it able to deal with yeah. him, have some yeah. sense of empathy with him as a human being i never ended up cutting him off completely so that for me is a massive thing i can say from my own experience but what if what if you your ability to do that was so much less 
Yeah, how would yeah, that's where would point. you be now? How would you well, that's the uh, whole point that aren't I fortunate? Isn't Sunny fortunate? Hmm. And not being arrogant, but then that's oh, yeah. The, yeah. I, I want to try and help people know that we can do that. We have to have the courage to know that we can do it. It's nothing is and you know, if we if we look into the worst aspects of our own modern culture, the feeling, okay, this is more to all this now, but I'm getting to it. The Buddha's view, I can't go back. The Buddha's view is huge. And this is a massive one for me. It's my working hypothesis. That there's no such concept as a creator. I don't get made by mummy or daddy or a creator. Our consciousness comes from before. There's all detailed teachings in Buddhism. I don't want to go into detail. But oh. consciousness is a beginningless, endless continuity of mental moments. And my mind came into my mother's womb. This is a business of karma. It's really specific. My mind came into my mother's womb at the time of conception. So I had this strong connection with that mother, that father, it wasn't some random event. I'm not the product of the, I'm not the handiwork of my mummy or daddy or a creator. The Buddha basically says the law of karma is we all create ourselves life after life and moment by moment. So that's the background to my view here that whatever, so that we are, can be in charge and we can learn to change. There's nothing we can't, there's nothing in our mind we can't change. So what I'm saying the Buddhist view of reincarnation and karma is a huge underpinning of this idea that you are responsible. So whereas the other view is, I didn't ask to get born. It's my mother's fault. It's my father's fault. It's God's yeah. fault. And we really feel like some victim who got plonked on this planet and then bad things and good things happen. Life is like good luck and bad luck. I mean, no wonder with that philosophy we go crazy. I mean, I happen to have a very specific Buddhist view, which really helps me, that I am the one who's in charge. I came into this life program with my stuff. So in that sense, when you really, I've found applying that rule, I learn to grow up. I stop being a victim. I stop blaming other people. I take responsibility. I'm not just some innocent victim who got plonked on this planet by some unthinking person, which is no wonder that we're suffering if you think that way. So for me, I'm giving this just quick view of the Buddhist view that yeah. hugely <clears throat> this ability I can change, I can become who I wish, I am in charge, and whatever's in my mind, I can see it, unpack it, and I can change it. I'm the boss. There's a there's a um, I can with... help people learn to know that. That's what I, my wish. I don't care you call yourself a communist or a Buddhist or a Mickey Mouseist. We can all get some courage to know we can know and change our own mind. I, I agree. And it's, it's taken me a hell of a long time to figure that out. It, I would say in the only last two years that I really begin to think that my mind could actually change. That's yeah. it. And we I can mold our mind into any shape we like, as one of yeah. my teachers says. Yeah. I grew up um, in a way uh, evangelical Christian yes. uh, and then left that world and then, <clears throat> then really got attached to labels. Yeah. Uh, uh, of of mental health. I, I see that a lot where even today um, in my business, someone reached out to me and says, uh, I am, they label themselves with PTSD and this is, I, this I is their, their burden. I and, and, and I think some of us feel attached to that because we now have a reason we feel so shitty. That's, no, that's exactly right, Ron. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and I think when we're saying it's a reason what we're doing is not being mean, we're yeah. using it as a means of getting off the hook because the instinct yeah. of ego somehow the instinct of ego is to feel like an innocent victim and not be responsible because we don't know how to be and it's understandable we're all like that so this courage of knowing that you can delve into that and work with it and make it on the post-traumatic stress you know whatever it is called we can do yeah. something and seeing and you, you said that word responsible a couple times now and yeah, yeah. and so, I don't know where I heard this. Somebody said the other day, you know, a hammer, you, with a hammer, you can build a house or you can hit yourself in the nuts with it. Like it's well, a strong <laughs> tool. It's a quite, quite a strong tool. Exactly. And what I'm realizing is 
number one, I felt attached. I'll use myself as an example to these labels because I didn't have the tools or if I had the tool, I didn't know how to use it. And, and the work that Daniel and I are trying to do for ourselves primarily is to learn how to use the tool properly. And, and then but yeah, there has to be trying, this, Ron. There, you're right. I'm serious. We're yeah. doing. What do you say? What do you say, General? I said we're not trying. You know, we're doing. No, I'm saying no. There you go. Well done. Yeah. I think I think the thing is sometimes when you certainly when you hear the Buddhist one, it can sound very brutal and like you know it's all your fault. We have a very strong tendency for pl- blame and punishment and reward. Mm-hmm. But the Buddhist idea, there's no such concept as punishment and reward. And it's learning to really when when the Buddha Buddha talks about how you, you, your own is what causes you harm. Your attachment causes you harm. Your jealousy yeah. causes you harm. And then it sort of feels like, well, it's not fair. I'm allowed to have this. Look at the suffering I've had. And it's true. So we've got to hear it in a kind way. And I think even we can begin to see, instead of thinking I'm allowed, we think I'm allowed to be angry. Look what my father did to me. Whereas the anger was there. And I can see how the anger was the cause of such pain. And that's what Sonny was able to do. Sonny was able to see that no matter how nightmarish that absolutely unfair scenario was, absolutely like a hell on earth, she was able to know she had the choice to not go crazy. This is pretty incredible, you know. That's where I think I was headed to around this is is, is in order to change, uh, I know I felt like, well, is it possible? I didn't think it was possible. There you go. There you go. Exactly Mm -hmm. right. And, And I didn't believe that good things could work out. That's no right. matter what the circumstances were. I was so attached to circumstances that I thought my circumstance has to look like X, Y, and Z in order for me to feel good. And and I guess it's through the process of self-compassion going, it is actually, exactly. my, my, my circumstance may never change. Yeah. I may always be, there, always may, there may always be some kind of suffering in my life or always some kind of lack. And I have to love myself anyway that's and right. decide that I take full responsibility for my thoughts and my actions. That's it, exactly. And I and I, I I'm thinking about men. I work with a lot of men, yeah. who who are looking for um, assurance that it's going to work. No, I understand that. Yes, I understand. Yeah. Well, you and... can give it to them. You can give it. You can say yes. <laughs> they want to hear you be confident because if you know it works, you can say yes. You can do it too. It's okay. Yeah. We need courage. We need courage. We need confidence. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the other one, the one to say this too is that when you hear that you, you suffer because of your attachment, you suffer because of your anger, it feels so painful first, but we've got to hear when we can really hear that out of kindness, not out of beating ourselves up, that mm. the anger itself, even though it's a habit, it breaks my heart. My depression breaks my heart. Mm. It's a kind way to hear it. And then to know it's, it is who mm. I, it's not who I am. It doesn't define me and I can change it. I think that's so important, but we often can't get past when we hear that ang- you, you suffer because you're angry, not because the boy punches you in the nose. It seems too much to bear. But that's what Sunny was able to do. Hmm. That was what she was able to do. And with, and she wasn't so-called religious, so it's very encouraging. you know. Yeah. So, Rubina, yesterday I had an experience where uh, this person um, that I um, was around was clearly having a really hard day. Yeah. And um, I know this person to... Uh, has mental illness issues they experience anxiety they experience depression they experience um uh neurodivergence in a way that is not making things easier for them so i eventually i said hey you know are you having a, a rough day and she said and this person said yeah you could say that i was like okay and then i asked why and she told me and <clears throat> it wasn't anything it was just getting 
getting some feedback that was hard for her to hear from people that she respected. And, and, but I looked at her, her just essence was just crushed. It was just Mm. falling in on itself physically, head down, very low energy. And my, I didn't do it, engage with her much more. We just, I stayed around each other, you know, it was just now we knew and, and we were just there and it was good. But there was a part of me that thought, Man, she is a victim right now. To, to what extent is she choosing that? To what extent could she choose something different? What do you say to people who I know, that's feel right. like well, they have choice? Power? Sounds like a that's lovely a question. Issue. This concept of choice sounds very easy and rather abstract. That's why I think, you know, I really have doubts about this thing called free will. It sounds so absolute mm-hmm. easy, like as if nothing, to, as if yeah. somehow choice is an absolute well said if someone's sitting on top of you theoretically you have the choice to push them <laughs> off but if they're that heavy effectively you don't exactly have so it's conditions exactly. and time but i think once we can come to a, a recognition that in theory yes the capacity to choose is there so we have to grow it slowly push against it slowly like always that. never yeah. give up the possibility that we can but it's not an absolute and sometimes life is so crushing it's really yeah. true it's very, it's very, very true. Sometimes I it's see. overwhelming. And the tragedy is we identify with the overwhelming. We don't yeah. identify with the positive. We don't identify. That's what Sunny, again, was able to, no matter how traumatic this nightmare was, she was always able, struggled enormously to identify with her ability to change it and see it differently. That's really courageous and that's unusual, but it's pretty incredible, you know. So where is an area in your um, experience of... Uh, what we're talking about specifically around trauma. I think that's a great lens with yeah. through which to have this conversation uh-huh. um, where you have been the most weak and have had to gain the most strength to put it in those terms. In my own path, you mean? In your own path. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. this is very interesting because, yeah, um, you, again, using the Buddhist analysis, this is the one I use, you know, this attachment I've talked about, it's not just a cute word. The very gross level of attachment is always, but now basically the energy of attachment is dissatisfaction. We always feel we haven't got enough. When it's really strong, and this is very common in our culture, we don't think that we are enough. So we're always dissatisfied. Yeah. We always identify with not having. It's like the half glass full. And that can be so chronic. And that gets to what we call self-loathing and self-hate, you know. But mm. this is where it gets us to the biggest attachment, the deepest, most primordial, most subtle, beyond sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's so linked to the subtlest level of ego is this deep emotional hunger to be seen and heard and approved of by others. This is since we're born. So it's almost as if having this attachment is like we're only just, we're only, we, we're, ego is just being half a person. And we don't, and that's a symptom of not, of, of feeling you just, no matter what you are, it's not enough. And I need you, my mother, my father, my siblings, the next door neighbor, my boyfriends, I need to see you smile at me. And then I feel, wow, I must have said the right thing. This is the deepest suffering of all. They say the yogis in the mountains who've given up everything, given up every attachment, but they're still thinking of what the people in the village are thinking about them. So this is the deepest dualistic bullshit. Oh, wow. The deepest cause of our suffering. So you've got a bit of, and I'm kind of an arrogant person, you can see by my nature, but there's a good side to that because it can be be called self-confidence. So the biggest suffering in my life always has been not being seen and approved of, not being being respected. We get so injured. So in my own personal work with my teachers, for example, one of the examples for me, I, I'm I'm kind of I like to do things, you know, and I, I'm not I don't have any education. I left school when I was 15. I've taught myself all whatever I've taught. I always run around the world doing what I wanted, kind of so-called, you know, so-called <laughs> confident. But then of course there's this other side that you know 
what is it that Jung calls it the shadow side? It was this is arrogance there. Easy when arrogance is kind of insulted, like not approved of, it flips over into low self-esteem. This yeah. is one of the biggest sufferings in our culture. We get injured really easily. And that the root of that is this attachment to being seen and approved of. And so for me, in with my teachers, and the very first time I first met my first teachers, Lami Yeshi, I just, you know, I, 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 publishing has been always my thing. My father was a journalist. I've always done editing, graphics, all my years of political activity. I was always on the propaganda side of things. And I just had all this confidence when I went to Kathmandu and, and wanted to become ordained finally. I was going to be doing the publishing. I was just assumed I'd run it. You know, I assumed mm -hmm. I'd run this publishing activity. Just assumed it. And then Lama Yeshi sent a note. Well, fantastic. Ravina can be the secretary. Well, I nearly fainted. <laughs> I thought, what are you talking about? He doesn't understand. And so for me, the practice was enormous that I had to sort of to subsume myself and learn to have another boss whom I couldn't stand. You know, I'd go, I want to pull his balls out, you know, but I knew it was the most powerful <laughs> practice for me because I knew that mummy, yes, she knew my mind and knew yeah. exactly what practice I needed. So for me, the, the humbling was enormous, but it was the way I learned to become, learned to become more humble, less, less grasping at other people's opinions. And it was a very powerful practice. So for me, my, my learning has always been about that one. Is Learning it to, still oh, man. your primary? Yeah, less and less and less, of course, you get better and better and better at it, you know. Yeah. But it's a very powerful one because this is and this is why I feel, always felt I've appreciated having a spiritual mentor. Because I mean, I'm so arrogant, I'd just go off and do anything. I don't care. But having a spiritual mentor whom I chose basically and whom yeah. I decided I want to become like him, then he was a very powerful sounding board to have, and a person that I did trust who saw my mind, who knew what was best for me. So that was my spiritual practice, not sitting there with my eyes closed, looking holy, but learning to deal with my garbage and my anger and my rage and my arrogance. You know, it was like in in the fire, but I trusted it. I trusted the process. I mean, this guy. Who became, this is the beginning. My guy who's this boss. I wanted to kill him. I hated this man. He was so naked. I mean, I'm not like what people think it was a good, good bloody Buddhist. It was so naked and so kind of vile. But I knew it was what I had to do. For two years, I worked with this person. I struggled and struggled against my own misery, you know. But it was the most powerful practice, and I truly. And that's because I had this mentor who could see me and knew what I was knew what I needed. Ravine, Ravine, that's my. Can I read a, a, some words of yours that I wrote down I yesterday? Well, yeah, because yeah. it, it speaks to this, and it, I'm kind of seeing where this quote lands now. So mm -hmm. you said, being politically active, I blamed everyone else in the world. When I was a hippie, I blamed the straight people. When I was in the left party, I blamed the rich people. When I was in the black party, I blamed the white people. When I was in the feminist party, I blamed all the male people. There was somebody always out there in all my political activity and also during my life. And it sounds like you, you got to face that part when you were unhappy as a quote secretary, you blamed your boss and then you had to deal with that. Would you that's say right. that's learning like to know that I needed to, in other words, learning to see the suffering of arrogance, which flips over into low self-esteem when, you know, an arrogant person is very fragile. When you insult them, they flip over, oh, I'm a hopeless person. So we've all got low self-esteem, I think, but we don't like to think it's flip, It's related to arrogance. We never think we're arrogant. But if I didn't have arrogance, I would never have low self-esteem. I wouldn't need to be approved of by others. So it's really quite profound. So for me, the learning has been to subdue my crazy mind. I mean, more than anything, I'm angry, easily, easily volatile. And the good side of that, I'm active. I do what I want. I get things done. But the negative side has been the arrogance, 
then then turns into low self-esteem and then the anger. So I've had to learn this. This learning has been patience, humility, and the way to find the better part of myself by subduing the craziness of myself. Different people need different practices, you know, but this yeah, is what did for me. Having right. someone sit on top of me was the best thing possible. <laughs> that metaphor of sitting on top of, of someone sitting on top of someone and that's the plight that we're in. It's like it's like you're in that position, but then we also have the choice to go, okay, hold on, I'm going to go work out and get and then come back and eventually i'm going to be able to push yeah, this right. off that's of right. me you know yeah. and that that like that inner work you know the work you're talking about is yeah. so it's confusing to me a little bit because i remember being so overwhelmed for so long and to varying degrees and that's obviously still continuing but now i feel so much stronger and more attuned and more aware and yeah. i can tell when i almost like the other night i was laying down and i was experiencing a little bit of anxiety it wasn't overwhelming at all it was very mm -hmm. but i just wanted to and i just felt like oh i'm an echo this 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 uh, anxiety particularly in this moment is an echo of something that happened long ago and i just like relaxed let go right. of it and i let that echo just like a wave in the water right. just whoosh, and it kind of just went away and i was like wow you know so if i can do that with a low level of anxiety and then you get what there. else might i be able to do that with well then you, you and you and, and and the thing is it's not just coming and going where we're a work in progress it's a clear yeah. constant yeah. growth process you know i always like to say we are we know that when it comes to becoming a musician you can learn it slowly and gradually you get confidence in your growth but we tend not to have that feeling when it comes to emotional but that's the view yeah we can grow ourselves we can turn ourselves into the exactly the person we want to become you know Ron, let me ask you a question real quick. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Robina. Yeah. Um, where would you say, Ron, is the, the kind of the same question for that I was asking Robina? Where's the place where you are the most overwhelmed and you, but also potentially the area where you could improve and have the most growth? You mean, Todd, are you talking to me? or is that I, I had a question for Ron, actually. Ron, yeah. good. Okay, go, Ron. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that my where I'm most overwhelmed is the concept of what I think my life needs to look at look like. Yeah, knowing that it's going to take a 1000 steps to get there or 10,000 or 100,000. And rather than running towards it, not doing anything. And yeah. before you came on for being we were we were we, we were opening up and talking about uh, showers. And now I take a shower that's two minutes long, because I want to get my shit started. I want to get my day going. Yeah, yeah, right versus 30 minutes where I was avoiding getting my day started. That's right. No, exactly right. That's a massive one, actually. I think that's the greatest. The one of putting things off is a big, big one. And yeah, I think they totally talk about in, in the practices, they talk about some quality we really need to cultivate, which they, they refer to as either enthusiastic perseverance, which sounds exhausting, or joyful effort. And if we don't yeah. have this ability to persevere, then we won't get anywhere. And so the opposite is very, very telling. The opposite of enthusiasm is laziness. And so the first laziness is can't be bothered and that and we have to analyze what that is and that's the one another way of describing attachment is this intense attachment to our comfort zone mental yeah, yeah. yeah. Want that's right. to be comfortable and so the next level of laziness is not only can't be bothered 
I'll do it later. And we put it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is our nightmare. I mean, and because why? Because it takes effort and no one wants to make effort because attachment wants to be comfortable. So to go yeah. against that and push gradually and then the, the, the subtlest level of that laziness is, oh, it's not possible. I can't achieve it. It's too difficult. Mm-hmm. This is what holds us back. So we can have the best intelligence on the planet, the best capability, but if we haven't got enthusiasm, which is the opposite of this laziness, we will, we will, we will never achieve it. So this is what we have to cultivate and that's what gives us enthusiasm. You know yourself when you you do that job you've been putting off it takes you 10 minutes and you feel so good yeah that's Just right not put things off that's when you become powerful and it's a real skillful practice catching ego saying i'll do it later because it's an impulse so there's a there's a voice in my head that um <laughs> that stops me from making progress and it's and it's something yeah. like you're lazy piece of shit it's something oh, like uh, you should have done been able to do this years ago. Had you started years ago, you would have been know, there already. You gotta, there's a truth. It's in too, late. too late. Too late. Too. It's too late. Is a very big one. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, just it's okay. I am lazy, but it's okay. I can fix it. Yeah. I have, I have been putting it off, but it's okay. I can change. Well, something I, something I've done. Through. Something I've done recently that uh, a spiritual guide helped me with, which is very mechanical, and it gets to the point you mentioned earlier about catching our thoughts, catching our body. What are yeah. the subtle clues that are happening within us before the thought takes, that's takes right, hold? Right. And, and, and what he suggested was, and something he had done is he had gotten one of those little uh, mechanical counters. You know, they have like the four yes. digits that every time you click the button, another that's digit right. appears. Okay. And he did that for himself to keep himself from um, snacking when he wasn't hungry right. and picking up his cell phone in, the, in his vehicle when he shouldn't, when he was driving. Right. Right, there you go. And I kept mine in my pocket to notice when I was judging myself because the voice in my head, this voice of self-judgment is brutal. It is fucking brutal. If anybody heard me speaking that way to another human being, they would just knock me out. It's the irony of ego, honey. It's really- yeah. And, and so I, I started keeping that counter in my pocket. That's right. And, and it got to the point where not only was I hundreds of clicks in, but the, right. but it got to the point where even the movement of my hand towards yes. hitting the counter, my my no. my brain would <laughs> reject Whoa. the negativity. That's right. There you go. I started to condition myself to go. Ah, oh. that's not useful anymore. I don't. Wow. I don't need to do that. And that whatever that voice was, its power went away, and and it. it started to disappear. You do it. Whatever works. Do yeah. It. <laughs> 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 I gotta do. <laughs> I just do. You have an image of Ron with his hand in his pocket, just like in this go. clicking sound <laughs> every second. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I don't. I mean, there, guys. There is. I mean, I, I've never been on death's door. I've never been close uh, to take my own life. But I, I lived with a very negative voice. I, I used to have a voice that would wake me up in the middle of the night, telling me how I'm going to be just like my father. How, oh, by the way, I fucking love my dad. He's been dead for 20 years and I love him. I love him more now than I ever have. And, and he died unbankable. He died being married a bunch of times. Um, he died never paying his child support to, oh, to my oh mother. My yes, and yes. I, and I adore him. Yes, exactly. And, but the voice used to wake me up saying, you're going to be just like him. You, oh. you know, you're a failure and it, and it, and it would adrenalize me, it would wake me up. Wow. And, <laughs> and I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, Daniel and I talk about, um, how at some point in our life, just like the character Batman, we're going to have to use every tool in the toolbox to, to free ourselves from this kind of living from this kind of being. And at that time, and I don't know, I honestly don't know how, how, how well it worked. It just could be coincidental or it could have been a a huge help. I was microdosing uh, magic mushrooms, a small amount, four times a week. 
Mm-hmm. And, and there was a point towards the end of the month where that voice woke me up. I was laying in bed and I was laying on my right side. I remember it vividly. And in the voice I could hear, I could feel it in my body of how, how terrible I was. And there was another voice that came in and that voice said, is this thought necessary? There you go. Well done. And it was like a, it was like the, a, a, a huge drink of cold yeah. spring water out of a mountainside yeah. after You know, being very thirsty. That's on right. A long, well on a long trip. Well done. Good. So you guys. Good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and um, gosh, I hope, you know, just that question alone, and I keep asking, is is this necessary? Is this suffering necessary? Is this internal suffering necessary? And and the more I ask it, the more I realize how unnecessary it is. And yet I was addicted to it. And yet I, I wanted to, um, there was a part of my brain and my nervous system that wanted to continue that conversation. I think that's, that I think is the point. And I think we have to have a lot of courage to know that when you've dug a groove in your mind, which is, yeah. is proof of it is seek, keeping saying those thoughts, yeah. it isn't permanent. And you just have to be, you have to persevere to know a sudden shift but it's a gradual shift so as long as and during that period when you know you can change it you're still going to be living with the old habits but you're giving them less power and then they'll weaken every day we, we say practice makes perfect but the tibetans have a lovely way to put it actually they say nothing ever gets more difficult with practice <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, and one of the key ones that we have to learn to live with the old habits as we're changing them yeah, that's the thing. Not wish they'd all go away, you know. Well, right. and another thing yeah. that you that you speak to in everything that you say, it sounds like, is become a huge value and awareness and a lot of awareness for Ron and I is that the length of this process is yeah. so long, and mm-hmm. and to fall in love with that process, that's it, right. it that itself, accepting that this is a process and yeah. that it's gonna take years, decades, maybe lifetimes. I relish in that now because that is the pressure of it having to be all done yes. now is off. Now that's it. That's exactly right. I just I like to use the example of we're always dissatisfied attachment. You just pass grade one in music. Oh, I'm only in grade one. And then you get to grade two. I'm only in grade two. Now I'll get, I'm sure I'll get happy when I get to grade three. And I'm only in grade three. And then you're in grade 997. You're still not satisfied. <laughs> so we have to learn to know it's a process, but be satisfied with grade one, happy about grade one, and then eager yeah. to get to grade two. It's a very different, it's a different approach. It's much more optimistic. And one that's of what, the things that's what we've been doing, Daniel, is we've been realizing like we don't have to wait for the, no, the result right. Right. to happen for us no. to be happy. That's right. Like, these are the it's conversations you and I've been having. And the, like, and that the results are ever present. They're yeah. they're every second. That's right. Exactly. exactly. They are become the results are becoming as available to me as as yeah. something light well, within same. arm's reach. You know? exactly. And I'm not saying that I still don't get overwhelmed. I do, but that right. is less. That's right. Like that's you right. said, it's just it get doesn't get less difficult. No, that's not. Exactly. And it, and what's funny is I could see it getting more difficult as easily, at just as easily. I could pick that up too. Yeah. But now mm-hmm. instead of noticing I have a bomb in my hand, I'm like now the bomb's over there, and I go I don't want to pick that up. Like the difference between that, those two things. Yeah. 
you know, the choice to not pick up the thing that's going to make your life more difficult mm -hmm. is just so empowering. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can be happy. Oh, my God, I am happy to some extent. Yeah, oh, my God, I don't feel good and I'm still OK. You know, it's just yeah. something is happening, Robina, with Ron and I. And it's really auspicious that you agreed to be on here and talk with us because I think we're very much ready I know we are ready to have this discussion with someone who is so much more practiced than us because it, it I think it's helpful to us to see. Well, first of all, it's a joy to yeah. share ideas that we've been arriving to through totally different um, means, you right. know, and right. routes and then see someone who has lived such a specific in, in a language for so long and be and be like nodding their heads be like good yes yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the th you know yeah. it's just like yeah that's it's yeah. a huge gift for us robina wonderful i know and what i like about all this too is this is lovely analogy i say it a lot it's a buddhist one uh, that a bird needs two wings wisdom and compassion so you could argue the compassion wing is the point which is when you this is the more advanced level where you cut the separate sense of I, because you've done the wisdom wing where you've put yourself together. Because the more you put yourself together doing the wisdom wing, you're lessening neurosis, you're lessening the division between self and other. And then you open your eyes and go, oh my God, we're all in the same boat. And then yeah. on the basis of your own work, you can see you can be a benefit to others and you have more enthusiasm for it. Can I ask you a question around that that has been yeah. one of the more difficult aspects of this? Yeah. <clears throat> so one of the reasons that my life has improved is I stopped giving as much energy to people who are in rough spots okay. and and just like <laughs> hear me out here because this is going to sound not very compassionate I understand. I understand. but that has been huge not feeling guilty about people on the street not feeling like I have to give money to every person who passes not feeling like I have to help every single person who's struggling around me mm -hmm. because I was doing that in little ways that weren't really helping them and they were taking the energy that I and the time and the money and dot 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 that I had to help myself and as I cut that out and focused on myself truly with compassion I feel like there's something growing that now has fruit that other people can actually yeah, that's can give that's the point so I suppose let me just give the Buddhist analysis to that we've got we've got We've got this attachment, which is this primordial neurosis that underpins all of the stuff we do. It's so subtle, it's unbelievable. This, and it's one of the ways it manifests is in in where you know attachment to get what I want, and in some ways it manifests also as attachment to being a good boy, attachment mm. to being a nice, attachment yeah. to being a good boy. And so then, yeah. and we and then we can so we have compassion. You've got compassion, but if it's mixed still with your attachment, it drags it down, and that's what makes us exhausted. And we and it's like a mother; she feels like she's got to. Everybody, you've got to make everyone happy. And that's, it can, when you haven't done enough work on yourself, in the end, it's coming from attachment and it's not wise. You end up putting, sticking your nose in where it doesn't belong. And then, the, and the other reason for that is because attachment can't stand problems. So if you meet people who are unhappy, your attachment can't stand the problem and you have to feel you have to fix it. So attachment runs around trying to fix everything. Wow. Whereas if you've got a more brave attitude, realize the world is a shithole, it's full of drama, full of terrible suffering. But when you see it nakedly, it's like seeing that trauma. You don't have a trauma. You see the suffering. You know why people are suffering. You keep working on yourself and you, it doesn't make you crazy. It gives you enthusiasm. Like Martin Luther yeah. King said, I remember when I was in being a you know radical lefty he said it's good to see the world it's good to see problems it's good to see suffering and injustice but then you say when you're ready for it then you say what can i do to help rather than an erotic way to do it coming from yes. attack so you've got to do the wisdom wing first put yourself together which means less attachment which mm -hmm. means more courage then you're more skillful and wise <clears throat> in the way you help people yeah in the meta in That's the what you're saying 
through the example of, of walking by someone on the street who is clearly suffering in ways I'm not. Yeah. That my experience now has become, I walk by, I feel, I feel a lot, yes. but I don't turn and stop and do a lot. I understand. And, and that is, it doesn't feel confusing to me, but I was curious what you'd have to say about that. I think it's, it's appropriate. Nice if it was coming from you just being self-centered and can't be bothered helping somebody, then you could say that's inaction. Right. But if you know, it's you going against this impulse to make it all lovely, which is coming from attachment. Yeah. Then it's good not to do it. It's okay. It's, you well, I think yeah, that's fine. a good distinction. That's helpful because yeah. I think I think that as time goes on, and my, I do, I have been continuing to heal and gain capacity and gain yeah. presence and gain all these things that yeah. you know are so helpful. I, I think there will come a time where I'll probably have i'll probably start stopping i'm laughing Dale, because i i did the same thing for years i thought i had to help everybody and, and be of of service to everyone and yeah. it was it was really just me running to what rabina was speaking about earlier in the conversation about needing the validation from outside of myself <laughs> yeah. to be seen and loved and heard never having uh wisdom and compassion for myself uh, and and being this thirsty flower that couldn't get enough, and yeah. and when I first moved also to Portland, I, trying to make the problem go away because attachment can't stand problems. Yeah, you know, yeah. Mr. I've got to, it's like having your alcoholic brother and you run around talking about him, thinking about him, worried about him. Tell him to go to AA, then he get upset when he doesn't. Sometimes mm. you just got to recognize he's not ready for AA yet. So just love him for who he is. You know, love people for who they are. Yeah. It's got, yeah. it's more, it's, because this compassion is more wise. So eventually when you get to the level of being a really highly advanced person, you'll be able to limitless give yourself because you've done your job yourself. Right. You're, right. you're okay. You can yeah. do it. So we've got Rubina, to know our capability. Rubina, if you were thrust into a challenging situation that was very un um, nun like, like you, let's check you got chucked in prison or you were forced to be oh, in okay. a family of seven. Where, where do you think you would really have to do the work the most maybe you already answered this in in the round arrogance but i'm curious just where would you struggle what are your soft spots good question um you have to ask me in a different way i'm afraid like if you were thrust into uh all of a sudden you had to run a group home for troubled youth and you were now a, that was your job and oh, you didn't have okay. Where would you, what would come up for you, do you think? And how would you confront it? Well, I mean, the main thing for me would be, how can I make it run better? And I'd be a better manager and find the funding. I mean, there's that. That for me, well, I'll tell, tell you something. Interestingly, <clears throat> not only what you expected to hear, but I know I work with a bunch of Buddhists. You know, I'm part of this organization, about 160 Buddhist centers. And we've got, and we've all got a certain structure and we have, we get appointed to be a director. And I can see the biggest problem half the time is we mean well, but we don't know how to run anything. So everything struggles along. <laughs> mess. So for me, I've learned over the years, I've got yeah. my own entity now called the Body Cheetah Trust. And, and I'm really learned to be a good manager. So you can find the money and the means and the funds and the, and the, and the infrastructure to be good. That for me is a major, major, major point that I would say that would be my first Maybe my first Got you. I see. having good people and learning to delegate all of that whereas instead of running around trying to make it all nice myself that's a mess that's ridiculous i think the way you're answering it is that you and i think it's making it help me realize why I've, I've been attracted so much to the way that you speak and uh how and what you say is that 
you very much participate in the world. You are not up in totally the mountains, metaphorically. Absolutely yeah. And this is the two wings of the bird. In the sense, mm -hmm. the wisdom wing is the, that's the that's the that's the meditation retreat mode. There, in the classic Buddhist one, you'd give up sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and go to the mountains and do the job. Then you'd come down the mountain, and now you join the world and do the compassion wing. That's the point. Oh man, I had never associated the compassion wing with. Yeah. It's the people with... one. It's people, with, it's doing, it's action. It's not just having a nice gooey feeling. It's action. Yeah. Action. It's I mean, act, what, what you, activity. That's what it is. How you described <laughs> the, the need for management for yes. your organization. Oh, yes. It's a very, that is a very tactical view of business. And I, I come from a business background. Exactly. And, it's, and you distilled it in this really perfect thing. Like, hey, we got to figure out how to run this damn show. That's right. And, so I've got my if, own body sheet of trust now. I've got a benefactor. Yeah. I've got investments. I'm trying to make a fucking million dollars so I can be a benefit to the bloody Come on. World. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this. So uh, just to kind of break, land this ship a little bit, um, two questions. <clears throat> Where is a place for someone like myself who this, all of this makes a lot of sense? Where's a place that would be an easy access point into the type of Buddhism that you practice? Well, because you, because you know me, you could come to one of the classes. I do a thing called Be Your Own Therapist for our centre on Zoom, our centre in Santa Fe. I do that. I've got four Sundays this month at 5 p.m. Um, 5 p.m. Santa Fe time. So that's, you know, 6, 4 p.m. your time on Sundays. It's called Be Your Own Therapist. Come to one of those. Awesome. And that, that's yeah, in the happened. that's in the language of Buddhism. It's just me. It's me talking. Just yeah. doing exactly what I'm talking now. So you go on my website, you'll see it on this Sunday. I think it's this. I mean, it's a good start. I would say that's a good start. Yeah. You know me, and you can flow from there. You'll see their program. You'll see what they do. Then you'll see other Buddhist centers. And I mean, you'll go from there. You'll just play. Let me just check the calendar. I think it's four Sundays I've got. Yeah, 7 p.m. East Coast. Um, the next four Sundays, next three Sundays, I've got a, it's called yeah. Be Your Own Therapist. It's just me starting off, and then people ask questions, and we, we're dealing exactly with this. It's exactly beautiful. I would say go there, and that would start from me, and then you'll see that center, you'll see the other program they have, they have a really good program. I would say just that would be an organic way to go. Well, yeah, and that question comes from this place of, uh, and, not, and I, I don't feel confused about like needing to find a religion or needing to find this or needing to find that. Like, I know I'm doing the work at the same yeah. time. I know I could do the work better, you know, and I could get more. <laughs> and I just, I just appreciate the way you speak about uh, the focus, the commitment. You know, it is. That's where I did. I mean, I've liked. That's where I, you know, I've um, yeah. That's where anyway. Never mind. Blah blah. Nothing. But the last thing was just uh, yeah. where was kind of, and you might have just said it, but where where would you like people to go to? Uh, where would you like to be seen? Was there? How can people find is you? It? Yeah. Oh, I think there's a website there. <laughs> it's my translator. <laughs> website, if people want to see. The website's the best place? Okay, great. I think so. Right. I mean, I, I do these two-minute things on people. I have a person in my who does my social media, who puts me yeah. on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. I do these little two-minute videos, something to think about. I have never spent so much time on someone's website for in preparation for this, your website is up to date. It's abundant. Like I was, I said a screenshot to Ron. I said we're on her website. Like you put us on the calendar on your website. Oh, that's right. Yes. And yeah. I thought that was great. I was like, she is fucking on it. You know, I really appreciate because I was going to confirm with you. What's no, I've that? Good teams. I've got a good social media team. I love it. YouTube I love channel it. Team transcribing teams and IT teams, and I've got good teams. Sounds well, like you you? sounds like you're a good boss. I'm trying to be, I'm a bit of a monstrous boss sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so for some no reason, one say you not, couldn't be a monstrous boss. I'm just saying you're good at it. 
Well, uh, is there any closing statement, uh, any closing time? No, keep you... moving. Keep moving. People never give up. <laughs> keep keep moving. moving. Pick yourself up no matter how bad it is. It's, 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 it's all right. Keep moving. And I, my policy is even if you're drowning, you might as well stay perky because then mm. you'll find an opportunity to find a method to get out of it. It's okay. Be optimistic. Try to be optimistic. There's so much potential. Thank you very much. I'm honored. Honored you're here. I just sing a little 30 second prayer in Tibetan. Can I do that? Yeah. Oh, please. It's uh, just making passion grow and grow. It's a little tiny prayer. Chang Chub Sem Chug Rinpoche Makie Panam Keguchig Kepa Nyampa Mepayang Gongne Gongdu Kabasho. And and that meant the words you said right before that. I'm not making passion grow and grow in the hearts of all. I'm going to re refer to it as my right wing now. That's the compassion wing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Doing an amazing job and never give up. Please never give up. Keep moving wherever it takes you. Thank you so much. Incredible. Thank you. I love you. Yeah. All right. Love you too. Bye bye. Love you. This. Much love. See you. Bye. Bear with me for a moment. <laughs> We're field dressing, man. This is field dressing. Got to dry my eyes. <laughs> it's not cutting for sun until someone cries, man. That's the new. That's Oof, the new tagline. Yeah, that was beautiful, man. I'm um I'm so glad you asked her where to find find out more about this path. I stole some of your lines. Good, steal away, steal away. I mean, I'm not. I. I I don't feel like I need to be a Buddhist. No, I don't you know? mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, but, I get that. But, I totally get that. But there, but I'm not afraid of that. You know, like yeah, yeah. I used to like be more grasping and afraid, and now I don't really feel like like both all paths are good as long yeah. as it's the it's a weird paradox. The from this perspective that you and I are gaining, and that Robina is very far along, all paths are fine. Um, it, but but not the one that's wrong. <laughs> and what I mean by that is like, if you're on the path, there's a million ways to express that path. That's right. You know, okay. and if you're off the path that you don't, it, yeah, it's, it's not good. You know, and you so, can, you can have the trappings of the, of the path. Like it can look like it. You can be religious. You can be, you can do, you know, you can say you're like doing the self work, but if you, but if it's to her, you know, what, what she said earlier, which is like, if it's not ethical or moral, right. If it's, if it's not like, taking into account the betterment of, of not only yourself, but of, of yeah. others around you, it's just self-serving, then it's not really the path. It's the fake path. Well, that's a good call. I was thinking about like the whole time after she said that, cause that was kind of her response to me bringing up Goggins. Yeah. And now I'm not a huge Goggins guy. You know this, I have a subtle new, I have a subtle take on him and I feel really comfortable with it. He's an archetype. Mm -hmm. He's big, he is an archetype. He's a pure version of, of a part of us. So yeah. like, you know, uh, there are other people who need to become Goggins. I get that yeah. fully in the world, but his purpose in my uh, reality is to is to clearly show me a part of myself that I need to develop. And what she said is that that's all well and good. You can have all the achievement, but where's it coming from? And I thought about that. I was like, yeah, does Goggins love people? You know, does I don't know. I, I, I think um, I don't want to speak up on his behalf or. And I don't even know if it's the answer. It's like we need. Yeah, to no, it's that an question. interesting conversation, though. Yeah, um, I, I think he does. I'm gonna say that. I think he does. I've read his book. I've listened to him talk a fuck ton, and I think he does love people. And I think 
what she said earlier about I do that there's no that there's no path there's no like one way to do this there's a bunch of different ways and we're looking for a truth that is under underneath all this man I've I have felt that my whole life I knew that to be true when I was a kid being told in church this is the way the only way that you know and if yeah. you don't do this you're gonna burn hell and I knew it was like no there's something else there's some other solar thing here and I like I love the, this Buddhist nun telling us hey there's a different there's there's not just one way and you can find your path even though she's very orthodox she's got the the reincarnation thing and and her whole path around that and and that's true for her and yet i think that there is a million ways to skin a cat and would and if you got it whatever way you got to skin your cat to remove yourself from suffering like to goggins point is to in essence beat the shit out of himself to remove him from a different kind of suffering a mental yeah. internal anguish right um you know the the suffering he is running from is a, a a history of insane child abuse the shit his dad to him did the shit oh. his dad did to him and then the things he saw as a child and then the things he saw in the military like he saw some shit he experienced some shit and now the suffering is less running 100 miles taping his feet up with shin splints and and hairline fractures and all those things that's his way her way is is well I, we didn't even get into it i wanted to hear a little bit about like well what is a nuts and bolts like meditation session <laughs> i mean you know she I, gets it yeah agreed agreed you know but she yeah. she does get into that in her work obviously but yeah but uh you know to that goggins point and i think the reason i keep bringing him up and i think it's worth to stay on on, on that topic of him a little bit is that what i love about her voice and what she says at least understand is that she is inclusive of other people yep. doing this in yeah. other ways i find that very attractive you know? too. Yeah. and and you mentioned the you know fire and brimstone christianity that is a way that works for some people too i know it's just that yeah. part of that yep. world is you gotta say this is the only way but for oh, those of us outside of that world no, it's not. But it's part of like there's there's a lot of minds in this world that that type of Christianity has like really helped, you know. And I get yeah. that. And, and I also want to say to those folks, there's that that voice is becoming less, and there are like really compassionate Christians out there who are totally accepting and loving and and oh, open. That's awesome. Yeah. So I don't want to just like pigeonhole everybody yeah. over there. But the Goggins thing, the reason that it's fascinating to me is because he's like. You could you could very easily from someone who looks and sounds like her and the tradition that she she comes from like it's easy for me to imagine that person saying that that the Goggins, you know, is a poster child for not what you want to do yeah. like it's very attached it's like aggressive fuck you get hard you know and and what I saw last night was this little flash I was taking in all this Rubina stuff. And then Goggins shows up on my feed sometimes. And there was a certain one of his that came up and I was like, Oh my God, they're the same person. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 And I felt his compassion. And maybe that's why what always put me off is I was starting to feel his compassion too, even though I'm questioning, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing where it comes through. And, yeah. and I was like, wow, wow. Okay. Where else, how else can we do this? And the world is now showing me like, like that conversation right there she she's not in her head a lot of when you and i are sharing our some of and we're sharing around our successes yeah but our successes are stemmed from the subject of our failures and what have been failures and you know i know you and i still have challenging days when when life gets overwhelming but boy that this time with her you know to field dress this conversation one of the things that's come from it is just like 
dude, I don't feel confused at all about what I need to be doing. I just need to keep doing what I'm doing. That's right. What a great feeling. I haven't had that feeling very much in life. It's a, we're, you and I, you know, you and I got to celebrate something this last week, which was, um, our numbers for this last year for our podcast. And we found out we were in the top, uh, 15% most shared podcast globally and the top 30 most followed podcast and the top 2% most, most highest content making within our, within our uh, categories. And those are, those are big numbers, man. And, and we didn't, we didn't start this year thinking that we were, we were going to aim for any of those. What we started this year is let's let's make a commitment to ourselves and love ourselves and bring compassion. I've never heard the word compassion and action used interchangeably like she right and left wing. I love that. Oof, so good. So so good. And yet that's exactly what we did. The action we put into the show this year was compassion to ourselves and an act of loving kindness to ourselves. And yeah, when I saw us, sorry. And and the results are people are listening and and more and more people are joining in and that's um that feels like a result of something you know the result is we were you know the action was we let's do this for ourselves. yeah <laughs> the result much. is others are doing it and i heard her say she said it very fast she's very fast talker she, she's you know, fucking cooks man she is and and she said <laughs> you guys are you know she she really encouraged us at the end i love what you're doing keep doing it don't stop she fucking put us on her calendar on her website. You know how trippy of an experience that was when I was going through her calendar, which is extensive. I'm sorry, her yeah. uh, website, extensive. Yeah. There's so much on there. I just kind of left it open for a few days on my tabs and just like, so it was easy to just get in. At it again. Yeah. yeah, but I started to navigate it and get it. And so I was yeah. like, oh yeah, okay. She's, she's on it. Like that is a friend. It looks like one of those websites that was built 20 years ago in a Oh, it definitely was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's updated. It's, it's like, not pretty, but then if, I'm if like, it works, don't, you know, <laughs> like, don't fix it if it's working. Right? Yeah. I saw our name, Data Pinnacle, Ron Cecil Data Pinnacle, yeah. cutting for side in this like funky, you know, can, can't right. really read it too 1990s, well because it's almost yeah. the same color as the background. Yeah. So I'm like, I just like, dude, that is, that was as much of a joy and affirming as the numbers that we got back, you know, as yeah. this, this week around this project that we're doing. And, um, you know, it, it, her choosing to spend her time with us and that time clearly having gone well, you know, it's just, it, it, it it's an end in itself. It is, especially when both of us were nervous about this conversation for different reasons. I wasn't nervous. I don't want to, maybe not nervousness is the right word to use. We had some, and I think it's just part of our, what we have to do as hosts is we have our own, like, well, is it going to be, is it going to be what we want it to be? <laughs> I, I, I was, the word I use is concern. You know, yeah. I have concern, some yeah. concerns. And I think those are, those should, that, that comes from wanting it to go well. And, yeah. you know, we've had a couple of conversations on here, part of, and I like this. Thank you for like bringing, yeah. bringing that up, you know, a little bit, because, you know, you and I, this is a craft. You know, it's a, it's a, is it a form of art? I don't know. It's certainly a craft. There, well, a, it is. It's performative, man. We're, I mean, we, you know, we, in, in the sense that we get on, we are, we are producing this and we are putting it out there for people to, to like and to enjoy and hopefully get something out of it. And, and it's, I think it's as much of an art as I'm, anything else I'm doing in my life. There, podcasting is easy. It easily becomes boring. Yep. If you, you need to bring your best, have yeah. your, have your mind sharp and ready to 
make an association, um, remember a quote, have that author's name, you know, an anecdote, and then do it appropriately in, in a form of a conversation. Yeah. And, and you do it and then foster and, and create a space where the person who you for the first time feels, feels comfortable enough to do the same thing. And it's all authentic. There's nothing fake about it. At the same time, it is, you're on, you know, I, I feel like the more that you're on and you're present and you're ready, the better the, the experience is for everybody. And it becomes an experience in and of itself, you know, and the fact that, well, I can just leave it at that. It, it yeah. that, that takes preparation, you know, and I think that that's one thing that you're speaking to a little bit is that, you know, I, I do have noticed how maybe a conversation, we both notice how maybe a conversation might, you know, it might not go so well in this way or that way, because we've repped this out 80 times. And, you know, there are have been times where you're like, oh, I should have seen that coming, going from the booking a guest to the preparation a week before to the preparation, the 10 minutes before we do this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it get it can get and and then we think we're going to have a certain kind of conversation and then when it doesn't happen it can be very disappointing and, and difficult. And I think we were bracing ourselves before Rubina came on of like I, this may not go the way we want it to go, but I, with 10 within 5 minutes I was like, "Oh, this is going exactly totally. the way I want it to go." <laughs> I thought that she was going to talk the whole time, you yeah. know? And and that would have been fine. Our get our listeners are probably like, oh, that would have been fine with me. Yeah. Right? She's got a lot of wisdom, right? Yeah. yeah but that's yeah. not what we do, you know? Yeah. Like I mean, you we were nudging have... me during the conversation to to be more engaged, but I was like just drinking this up. I was like, I'm I'm I can't I can't get enough of what she's saying and and the listening, watching you guys come can have a conversation. Um, it was hard for me to want to jump in because I was just enjoying myself. I was so just much. making I'm sure like, I was just Holy making shit. sure you were good, man. I wasn't yeah. nudging. I just wanted to make sure, you know, that's something you and I do. I you like, should. That's your job. It's your well, job to nudge me in this. <laughs> I like transparency in the podcasting yeah. process. And so I like, you know, I like to bring in the nuts and bolts behind it. And one thing that you and I started doing is messaging each other very occasionally while we're talking just to be like, like you sent me a message. Hey, you know, feel, yeah. why don't you take this? I'm wrapping it up because we're getting close to the time. I think that's really cool. And it took us like 60 episodes episodes to have enough bandwidth yeah. to do that and still be present in a conversation especially with robina where it's like it's like dude, low torch be, wisdom you gotta be on it if you're gonna because you yeah. can probably let her just talk and it would be fascinating yeah but it's so much more fun to engage in conversation and jump in there and ask a question and her be like yeah oh when she ran like trauma the topic and she liked that that was so cool that was so surprising you know yeah. and i found her very present and very curious and very i don't know she, what did you think just i know i'm looking i mean i'll say this man it's auspicious to me i love to use that word today it's auspicious to me that i've number one a month ago i i pull off of the caesar chavez exit off i-84 in portland and right at that exit is the portland Tibetan Buddhist Center. Yeah. And I've passed a million times. And I thought, I need to investigate that. Huh. What's up with that? Really? Yeah. And I told Morgan about it. She's like, dude, get get that. Go for it. Before we had you knew what Rubina's jam was? I did. Yeah. But I yeah, I didn't know what Rubina's jam was until like um, 10 days ago. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then um 
and it's been there. It's been something I think about most days. Um, and then, and, and I feel, man, you know, with any kind of religious stuff, I am, I am, do not want to enter into the fray. Like yeah. I am like, yeah. don't want to like yeah. wade into these waters for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> and, and so I've had some hesitancy. So I'm really glad you asked her. And then when she's like, well, we're doing this thing out of Santa Fe, anything attached to Santa Fe, I'm almost always in. <laughs> oh, I missed that. She said yeah. Santa Fe. Yeah. It's out oh, of Santa Fe. And, and that's where Morgan and I met. I, that is a spiritual home to me. No, I feel, that's your, yeah. That's your inner fucking world. Man. Yeah big time. So that was, that was, those were all green flags for me. And, and I'm excited about, you know, following that up and seeing what's on the other side of that. You know, my intuition, and I could be wrong, is that for you and me, we're probably not going to ever become Tibetan Buddhists, you know, Wouldn't even, that be pro interesting, even probably casually, but having another area of, that makes sense because that Buddhism never really worked for, for me uh, to the extent that it does after being exposed to the way that she expresses Buddhism. Yeah. Because she's so part of the world and she's so action oriented and she yeah. cusses and she talks super fast and she interrupts. And I'm like, oh, you're rooting around in it. You're, you're, you can, you can be part of the world and be Buddhist. In fact, maybe those two things even work more than we think. And yeah. it just doesn't seem holier than thou. And it doesn't seem so in the mountains, you know, it, it's like you can do the work right here, right now. And that's where I'm landing is that you can be Goggins in the, if we stripped away what we looked like, Ron, and we saw our inner self manifest as some, I don't know, like some creature and you see this mousy person, but their inner self is this strong fucking bird, you know, that's 10 feet high, you can start to recognize people's spirits, you know, and, mm. and I'm seeing that the Goggins spirit and her spirit are very similar. And, and I just think that, that she seems to sign off on that you can have, a, yeah. you can progress through this world and this reality and this experience and not be in the same way she is, and not be doing it the same way she does. Yeah, <clears throat> there's, um, Man, I could keep talking about all this. I could keep talking about the definition of what I think Buddhism is, of what what I've witnessed it to be, yeah, yeah. Uh, her experience of going. I want to make her phrase. I want to make a million fucking dollars. That was hilarious, <laughs> man. I loved that. You know that, but it's a uh, to her point. It's a nece it's necessary to to grow what she's trying to do, and and business and money is necessary for us to unless we're gonna go live in a cave which very few of us will, uh, it's necessary to have those, that source of income and it's necessary for it to be managed and led like a good boss. And it's clear she's a good boss. Um, and I love all that, man, man. I loved it. I was like, God, I want all of that. I want more of that. You know, you know who I thought would love the hell out of this conversation was, um, uh, David, uh, uh, Howitz, who was on, you know, a few oh, yeah. episodes oh, ago. Yeah. This is yeah. right up his alley. Oh, I'm going to yeah. send it to him as soon as Totally agree. <laughs> Man, I love this. Thank you for finding Rubina. That's that's 100% on you. I really appreciate it. This was a great guest. I, I would love to have her back on. I'd love to follow her <laughs> stuff. Like I'm so crazy honored that she that she came on with us and um, shared her stuff, shared her story. So thank you, Daniel. I really appreciate it. I mean, don't don't take it away from yourself, man. You're you're Ron, you are in a lot of ways more committed than me, you know, to this path that we've been discussing today. And and uh 
and it's been an inspiration to be around you the last couple of years in particular since we've been doing this and that you know she is not better than you or more on the path than you you know i mean maybe i don't know if that extreme of a way to say it yeah is I know quite true but yeah. you know you could be far along a path or or not far along the path it's the same fucking path you know yeah. and and I just feel like that's the important thing is on the path. Like you and I are cutting for sign and we are not looking for the trail. You know, we're we're following the trail and we're Big we're time. making sure we're keeping on the trail. We can certainly lose it. Yeah. And maybe there'll be times in our life where we will lose it again. But it feels so fucking good to just be on the path and not be confused and lost. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I know I'm on the path too, man. We're on it. It's beautiful. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it, man. Let's do it again. Let's do another episode. How's that sound? <laughs> That's it. We're done. Mic drop. Cutting the sign over. Booked. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, that was Adios, awesome. everybody. Come back again. Oh, uh, did we have something to say? Yeah. So help support us would be great. We're dropping a Patreon soon. And um, please leave reviews if you could that would be really helpful uh that was one of the things that got us to kind of expand our our wings a little bit was we got a little push of reviews so if you're having a good time take, take some time to do that if you have any instruction around that ron that would be yeah if you're listening on apple podcasts in any way just click on the description of our of our show and you can just scroll down to the bottom and leave a review that those reviews really really help the 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 Apple algorithms love that. And we did get a big push. So thanks to everybody who left a review to us. Thank you, God, for those really kind words many of you left. And and then the other thing that really helps is to share it. If you love this episode, share it directly from your app. Send it to somebody. Uh, tell them you've been thinking about them and, and, and send this episode over or another episode or whatever it is. That also really helps. And, um, and then the other thing that the algorithm loves is to just subscribe. <laughs> if you, if you haven't hit the subscribe button on the podcast, hit that for us and uh, keep listening. Appreciate it, everybody. The algorithm. <laughs> the all knowing, all that seeing algorithm. Ominous, man. <laughs> it kind of is all ominous. <laughs> all right. See you, everybody.